Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, we can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. show and then I'm going to bed. We uh, did a program this morning starting at 8 a.m. went till about 5. Got demons on the ropes. Powerful deliverance. Praise the Lord Jesus. And uh, we're going to do one more evening program and then we're going to full-time a.m. schedule. Let's see. Let me go ahead and get our guest on. First up, let's get um, Gary Stafford patched in. Stand by. Hello? Brother Gary, welcome aboard, my friend. Well, thank you. I haven't talked to you in a while, and uh, <laughs> it's it's great to hear your name. Let's get our special guest on, and uh, we're going to get Mike Paovella. And here we Paovella. go. Stand by. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is a live program. Thursday, May 25th. Oh, thank you. 2023. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Brother Mike. Good evening, my friend. Yes. How are you doing? Good evening. Hey, Shannon I'm Davis here. Mega Man Radio. Welcome aboard, my friend. And, thank uh, you. folks, we have our special guest here, Mike Paovella and, uh, Brother Gary Stafford. Brother Gary, Brother Mike, welcome. And, uh, Brother Mike, would you like to open us up in prayer? Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before your throne with grace and mercy, Father. Father, we just ask of you for a special blessing upon us in the body of Christ today, Father God, that your word will bring life and life everlasting, Father. Father, we thank you that we could come boldly before your throne of grace and ask of anything and believe what we ask for, Father God, that we shall have, Father. We thank you that you are an awesome and mighty God, Father. We thank you, Father, that you... 
your love is so unconditional to us, Father, that, Lord, that as we come today before you, Father, and we lift up your name, because you said as we lift up your name, you draw all men unto us, Father. So, Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the cross, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now, uh, Michael, you uh, remember that I asked you to speak a little louder because I'm a little hard of hearing, and you can go a little slower. I know we have a lot to cover tonight, and uh, I also want to uh, introduce uh, and uh, you to our program and and to uh, fellow listeners. I uh, want to say good evening and good day, uh, fellow listeners. Uh, welcome back to an awesome testimony that we have for you today that you will won't believe all right and first time listeners enjoy this program and others that we have every thursday uh, starting at 11 a.m for this program and having a different guest speaker every week and also Remember, toward the end of the program, we will be having worldwide com communion, so you may want to take a moment and get some bread and a cracker or some grape juice and some wine or whatever you'll be using as the Lord Jesus Christ is more concerned with a, a repentant heart. Hmm than what is in the cup. Now, I'd like to introduce you today to our guest, Pastor Mike Payavella, who has a testimony that he wants to share with you that will bring glory unto God. And, uh, you know, good evening, Michael. Good evening, Gary. Good evening, Shane. Now, I understand that you were born as part of a brood of kids, <laughs> brothers and sisters, uh, with uh, you being born in White Plains. Correct. All right. Tell us about that. Well, I was born um, 66 years ago at the city of White Plains, exactly 6 a.m. in the morning. I, uh, I was um, 30 days overdue because I was breached, and the doctors had asked my mother to, if they would allowed me to come out cesarean and my mother has said no she wanted to do natural childbirth so I came out feet first and the cord was wrapped around my neck and they're kind of concerned that I wouldn't make it through the womb wow Boy, a umbilical cord around your neck well somebody knew that God had a plan for your life a destiny like each and every one of our listeners has a destiny to fulfill. And uh, they, the enemy sure knew that your being born would be a, uh, a problem with them and uh, glory to God. And uh, I... Um, you know, being born 30 days late, that, that is a little unusual. And now um, 
there was a moment when you were only seven years old and you were in the car with your mom stuck in traffic when uh, you saw some strange clouds coming over the car. Correct. It was like wow. a cloud that I'd never seen before, Gary. And I was sitting there in the back seat of the car and just you know, looking up to looking up to the sky and watching all this like it was like a fog that would just come over the car like a mist and it came around and as the mist came around it came through the windows it was a hot summer day too that's the day I uh, to go a little further that's the day I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior at seven years old but what happened was when the cl- the mist came into the car I felt my body just go up really fast up in the sky and everything else. And then next thing I know, I was standing before these pearly gates, walking up the steps. And seven years old at the time, I didn't know where I was at the time. So as I walked up through the pearly gates and went through the gates, I seen a lot of activity that was going on. And to me, it was a kingdom, like um, a king, a great king, and everything else. So I was walking around, and I was kind of being a kid at that age, worried about people seeing and noticing me of what I was doing, because I was very curious at the age of seven. So I remember walking in the throne room, and I remember going to different things, and I was looking at this one podium. It was the most beautiful podium. You could see, like, your reflection in it, but it was like a mother of pearl, colors radiant, like the, the colors were so pastel coming out. It was the beautiful thing that you could see. So I was drawn to that podium. So I went to the podium. I stepped up behind, and I looked around, make sure no one sees, you know, what I was doing. But as I got up there, and I looked at the, there was a book on the podium. And I was look, it just has, like, love just pouring out of it. It just has a feeling that you couldn't describe. And I remember, I opened, uh, before I opened up the book, I was reading it, and it said the Land Book of Life. Now, the Land Book of Life. Wow. Later on in my older years as I was growing up and seeking the Lord more, I found out that the Land Book of Life is a, a book that the Lord puts everybody that he knows before the foundation of earth who is going to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's well, now, I, you went to one more room and... You saw the Book of Life, and that uh, caught you by surprise. Of course, at seven years of age, it's hard to discern what's going on, but your eyes are taking this all in. Tell us more. And then as I stepped down from that, I went and I saw another podium. Same thing, it was radiant. It was like so, the the colors I can't describe to how, they're like a hundred times better than what you see here on the earth. And so I saw this other podium that I walked over to, and I got up on the podium, I looked at this book, and this book said, The Book of Remembrance. Now, as you read what the Book of Remembrance was, I remember in the Bible later on in life I would read, the Book of Remembrance is everything that you did here on the earth is recorded. The angels record everything that we do from word to word, from what we do for people, what we do to one another, what we do for the kingdom of God, what we do for where our families, our friends, everything that we do of, of righteousness in, in the sight of God is recorded down in that book. And that's why it's called the Book of Remembrance, because it remembers our life. It's, a, it's like a history of our life. It's everything that we've done and that we'll be held accountable for. Now, you went into a fourth room. Tell us about that. 
oh, it was the third room. I went into the third room. And I remember another podium that was in there. And I remember looking at this one podium. And as I got up closer to it, I remember looking at it, and it was like it was on fire. So it looked like if you would touch the book and open it, you would get burned. So I hesitated for a few seconds, and I remember looking at it, but something in my inner meeting said, open the book. So I opened the book up, and nothing burned me. It didn't burn me or, or leave a mark or anything else. But as I opened the book, I heard a voice saying, my spirit said, this is, this is what's going to be that all our works will be tried by fire, and what was of the Lord will remain, but what was not of the Lord will be burnt up and cast out. Yeah, so what was good uh, was recorded, and that which was burned up by fire was uh, the things that we do that are not not according to the, the will of God, and, and uh, probably uh, uh, we take credit for a lot of things that uh, don't mean anything, and we filled ourselves with time. <laughs> right. Well, some things that we think we're called of God to do because we don't seek the Lord and we see no fruit from it. So they become unfruitful works for us. But those that seek the Lord for the things that we want to do, what God has placed in us before the foundation of the earth, is what's going to produce a 30, 60, and 100 fold in return. I think you're, you really got the thing there. And I understand that you were up there and. Uh, you hear a multitude of trumpets, like there was uh, to be a ceremony. And uh, I see you, Michael, standing behind a, a pillar, and you feel the hand of Jesus on you, on, probably on your shoulder, and what did you do? I turned Before I turned around, when the hand had touched my shoulder, it was like this love just poured in me. I so much, it was a love I can't describe. It was like, it just it, it consumed me, to be honest with you, the love. And as I turned around, I saw the eyes of Jesus looking at me. And I, he could actually read my thoughts. He knew exactly what I was going to say from moment to moment. And I remember him saying to me, I want you to turn around. And as I turned around, he says, look for the distance. And I looked out for a distance and drew the highest peak we are on, where you could see um, miles and miles away, to, like there was no ending. And I saw lines of people, people that were dressed up in robes, and they're coming up, being um, being led up to come, come up to the throne room. And I remember as a kid just watching this, I was in awe watching it, and I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't know exactly what at that time. And the Lord still kept his hand upon my shoulder as I was looking. He says, what do you see? And I say, I see people. He says, this is my church. This is my bride, right? And then as they were all leading up, the angels were coming there. But I noticed before, halfway up, there was a separation was happening. Separation was just people would be put on the left to the right. And what I learned later on from that was the angels would separate the wheat from the tears. And I saw many people coming up with the robes were so spotless and without blemish and everything else as people were coming up, but I, I knew that these people were coming up and they're standing before the throne of God and their name was being called out of the Lamb's Book of Life, that their names were being written in it, and their names would be called, these were the people that were entering in from while they were here on earth because their name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But then my curiosity got to me as I watched people
people that were being separated, where were these people that were being separated, where were they going to be brought to? So uh, Jesus took me down the path down there to see what, you know, to see what we could see where these people were being, but he already knew where they were going to be brought. He was waiting to show me where they are going to be brought. As we entered, we, there was these um, lakes in front of us, but we couldn't enter the lakes in there. So as we stand there, these people were being drawn out and would be set in these lakes of fire. And these are people that got a taste to see heaven that were really what heaven was, but they were not allowed to enter in because their name wasn't in the land book of life. They were people that God has said on the earth that he sent people to them. He showed them every opportunity to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and worship him as their Lord, their Savior. And these are people that really doubted that God exists. These are people that um, made mockery of God. These are people that didn't want God. They wanted the pleasures of the world. You know, where the scripture says in First Justice, um, the love of the world is in you. The love of the Father is not there. That you love the world yeah. more than you love God. And these people that just became so worldly because they believed the lies of the enemy, because Satan is known as the father of lies, and they believe all the lies that were spoken to their lives, and they were very proud people that they wouldn't take heed to what people were telling them. When God sent missionaries, he sent every opportunity for them to repent, and they would not repent, so they were going to enter into this lake of fire, eternal damnation. And I'll tell you something, Gary, if you could hear the screams and the cries when the people were brought there, it was like it, it pierced your heart. That's how bad it was. You could help crying, not crying. I was crying. The tears of my eyes were crying for them because what I understood was that they would never, ever get the opportunity to ever enter into heaven again because the scripture was saying, and the Lord said to me that these people loved me with their, not with their hearts, but with their mind, but their hearts were far from me. And the Lord said, I love them, and I did everything I could for them, I, but they rejected me. And when you reject Jesus, you reject everything in your life, you know, and that he loves us so much. He is a great, awesome God. You know, he is, he, he just loves his children, but he gives everybody the opportunity, everybody the opportunity to come to know him, to worship him in spirit and truth, because he wants to see no one enter the eternal damnation. He wants all to be with him. But, you know, pride is a very powerful thing. Pride separates man from entering in. Pride, um, it's like putting a wall up where you cannot knock the wall down. And, and, and during that time, I remember that, I was, I was just weeping. And Jesus even had tears in his eyes because he says, these are my children. But yeah. the word is the word and the promise of the promises. And look at the, the uh, comment that he said about you when you were behind the, the pillar and you looked right into his eyes and he said the soul of the Holy Spirit was upon you in your mother's womb before you were born. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew this day would come. I knew you would stand before me. And I knew the purposes of the plans I have for thee. At the time, I didn't know the scripture. It was in Jeremiah 29, 11, because he also said, as I remember, he said, for I know the plans I have for thee, my son, the plans not to harm thee, but to give you a hope in the future. And no matter what you go through in life, Always trust me for I have a better plan. Always look to me. Don't look to the left or the right. Keep your eyes. Always focus on me. Now, when did you go back to the car? 
um, which seemed for quite a while. I went back and I was sitting there. My mom was calling my name. She was saying, what's wrong with you? What's going on? What's wrong with you? I, I went to heaven. And she said, oh, stop daydreaming. You know, but it wasn't a daydream. It was real. It was reality uh, from it, you know. But she knew wow. something happened because she said, like, you were in a trance or something. I was stopped. I was getting concerned what was going on. I kept calling your name and calling your name. And I told her. And she tucked that away in her spirit. And later on in life, the Lord brought her back to remember those times that things happened and knew that there was something different about me than my brothers and my sisters. I, I uh, can imagine at age seven that you were so touched with the Holy Spirit and uh, felt like eternity was upon you that you didn't want to leave. But uh, your life, uh, like others, going to school and graduating from high school, what did you do after high school? I went to college for business management. Now, your father got sick right after you got up there in the second year. And uh, what happened? Uh, my dad was a mechanic, and he was working on an automobile at the time. And that was, matter of fact, it was 4th of July weekend. And I was there, and I had this feeling all day, like, like in my spirit, I kept on hearing, pray for your father, pray for your father. So I kept on praying for my father that day, praying for protection. And I just do something deep in my heart wasn't right during the day. So I went check with my mom. Everybody was fine and everything. And then it was around 4.15. I, we lived in the town. I heard the fire whistle blowing. As the fire was blown, I had this gut feeling. I said, you know how everybody said, hope that ain't got my house or something else. But inside my house, it's a trust, inside my spirit, I remember, trust me, pray and trust me, pray and trust me. Well, what happened was my dad was working on a car, and as the car was running, the man hit the stick shift, and it pushed my father to the concrete wall and crushed him from the chest down. So oh, my be, God. My father had to be taken to, um, by ambulance to, um, the emergency room, and he was in the hospital for quite uh, quite some time because he, he had broken chest bones, broken ribs, brought two broken legs, a broken pelvis. Oh, my God. And he had to get rehabilitated by that. Matter of fact, he was out of work for almost three years, my father, yeah. because of the accident. Well, I understand that uh, you get married to Anne, and later she has... Uh, six uh, daughters, and uh, and uh, you hadn't been feeling well, and you you went down to a hundred and eighteen pounds. Correct. What did you do, and what was the matter? Well, what I do since I owned the business, I was constantly working. So I thought maybe that as I was working too hard, just being a workaholic and not you know taking care of myself, I ate right and everything else, but. I couldn't put on weight and everything, so I went to the doctor with this list, and I told the doctor, and he said, well, we'll run some tests and everything else. And we ran some tests, and he came back and told me I had a form of cancer. I said, what? It really kind of shocked me. Well, at first, I didn't know that at first. He had talked to my wife first. He said, you, you, you think your husband would be able to handle this news? He said, because it's not good. We don't know what's going on. We need to do more tests. We were even thinking, and so my wife had sat me down, and we were talking, and she had told me, well, I had a 
talk with the doctor, and the doctor says it's not good. They have some type of form of a cancer. They think it's like Hodgkin's disease, and they want to, um, and they want to probably affecting your lung. They want to take out your lung, and I'm just sitting there saying, oh, my God. Like, then all of a sudden, as I'm sitting there, my wife's looking at I just went in a daze for a few seconds, and it was like my whole life up before me. It was like every page was turning in my life I was seeing. And then there's some good things and some things that, you know, weren't so good that maybe I had a bad attitude at one time, maybe there was a little bit of pride in my, in my own life, and I started sitting there thinking, and I felt the Holy Spirit on me speaking to my heart and says, I want you to ask your wife for forgiveness. And I kept hearing that louder and louder and louder. And I went to my wife, I remember saying, listen, Ann, I'm so sorry. I should be the high priest of the house and not worrying about uh, the business becoming, you know, so rich and everything else because the cares of the world were trying to get a hold of my heart and everything else. And I said, as your husband, I, I repent. I actually forgive me because I should be taking better care of you and raising you up in more of the things of the Lord and every, everything else. Like, you know, we're going to church and everything like that. But see, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot uh, serving God. You've got to come to God wholeheartedly. He's waiting. He's loving you. His, he has purpose and plans for us. And he's just and he's so uh, patiently to wait for us. And But during the time of your life, you're going to go through trials and tribulation. And not that the Lord caused them, but the Lord wants us to grow. The Lord wants to grow us in, in him. The Lord wants to take his word to grow in, in us. Because he's the, only thing that could, he's the only person that can make something grow in your life. We can sow, we can water the word of God, but it's him that makes it grow. And he was looking for that time. He was jealous for my time to spend more time with uh, with him in his word, with, with fellowship with him and everything else. But I was so busy making a big, uh, beautiful business and everything else that I um, forgot where I, I was supposed to go and the path that I was on at the time. So I was there, and as we were talking, my wife, she had tears in her eyes. She said, I forgive you. I know you're a hard worker, and I know you love the Lord, and everything like that. But as we were sitting there, the strangest thing happened. Um, it was like electricity was in the whole room, like a current. And yeah, there, what about the mist that filled the, the, mist the room there. as well, and Anne felt right. it too. Right, you could feel like a dew of such a mist, and then there it felt so peaceful, like time stopped, like everything standing still, and we both heard the Lord's voice together, and the Lord told me to to go, you know, He gave us a doctor's name in the, in the spirit. We both heard the name, and He said, "I want you to go see this doctor." And as who was that doctor? Your mother, yeah, apparently knew him and had experience from him. Well, after my experience with, with the Lord had healed me of the cancer and everything, um, my mother-in-law about six months later came down with cancer. And the same doctor saved my mother-in-law's life. The Lord used to save my mother-in-law's life and added nine years onto my mother-in-law's life. She had stomach cancer. Wow. That's awesome. And God used the same person to help you. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, for nine years, my mother-in-law coming to me, my wife, and yeah. she, you know, she was raised Catholic and everything else, but you know, she knew the Lord, she loved the Lord, and I remember I was with my mother-in-law one time in her hospital room, and she looked at me in the end, and she said to me in the end, she says, what you always said is so true. I really believe now I'm a true believer of Jesus Christ. 
Well, I tell you, I, I've seen you share and share your heart, uh, your your feelings, and uh, you have a heart uh, for the missionary, and you yourself get ready to go to Africa, and you must prepare by taking uh, several injections, including one for malaria, to... Uh, you know, get yourself ready before you go, and and uh, what happens? Well, what happened was we were getting ready to go to Africa. I did get all my shots, as you said, but um, and we went to Africa. But what I didn't know, one of the shots that they gave me was tainted. And when I got back, there was a registered letter sitting at, because um, we were there for, what, 20-something days. There was a registered letter at by the mailbox, and as we had to go sign for it, it was from the Board of Health. The Board of Health signed me a letter said, sorry to give you bad news, but you had got a shot that was tainted. And, you know, it, it could cause some damages to your body, which at the second, the third day I was home from Africa, I remember I wasn't feeling well. I felt warm and just didn't feel right inside of me. And my left side of my lung was really bothering me. And I said, something's not right here. I felt like I was having like a heart attack as how bad the pain was, but what happened was, and the infection that went through my body, it damaged the meridian nerve, and um, it's the nerve that functions on the left diaphragm to, to make your lung go in and out to bring the oxygen level there. Well, at, with the hospital realized they took all tests and x-rays, that my um, left diaphragm became paralyzed. It went all the way up and stuck there. Even though the lung was good, the lung could no longer be used anymore. And, um, oh, God, that's horrible. But, you know, the Lord brought you through, and he answered your prayer requests, and uh, tell him about that. Which one is that? <laughs> well, uh, whatever I, you want. Well, anytime I realized, because I had many visitations from the Holy Spirit, and I remember the Lord says, you know, with my word abides in you, and you abide in me. And he says, I give you this promise, and I give all my children this promise. Whatever they ask for in prayer, they believe they shall have. So anytime I ask for things for, in prayer for other people, for healing for other people, for miracles to happen for other people, I remember the, um, the Lord saying to me, believe what you ask for. So every time I saw a need for people, and I see miracles happen for people, I knew one day that, you know, God, God can do anything. Nothing is impossible for the Lord for all those that believe. And I've seen many miracles. When I was in Africa, I saw many miracles. I saw the dead, dead people being raised. I saw people being healed malaria. we just seen people walking and, and all the great mighty ones and signs and ones that we saw that happened in Africa. I remember, like I asked the Lord in Africa real quick, I'll tell you, I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to see great salvation. We went out with a church at Kizwin Lee, which was Pastor Moses, and we stayed there and we ministered the Word of God. It was like a Muslim, a Muslim territory area. And I remember as we were there, we were teaching on the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, I really want you to make a move of your Holy Spirit. I really want to see a great move of your, your, your work here, Lord, that it would bring many people to know you. Well, God honored our whole team that night that was there as we worshiped and everything. 
we saw a great amount of salvation. We spoke on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in a mighty way that across the waves was a bar, and there's like a lot of people, 50, 60, 70 people out there. I'll never forget this, Gary. And I remember well, that as, was... Go ahead. As, as somebody took a bowling ball and it rolled, these people fell down and came up speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit just filled them with the power of God. And there was a, you could hear a great praising going on. You could hear the cries, people being set free, delivered. And I remember by the time that we left that week that we were there, Pastor Moses told us the church was of 30. By the time, um, in three weeks, the church became 3,000. That was a miracle. Well, I, I, I know that 27 people in a church had your group come over and uh, and you ministered to them. At the end of the time, there were 2,000 people, a miracle, as you spent that total of, well, uh, 21, 29 days in Africa. And I, I just, I, I just am amazed at the way God can use people and he used you, <coughs> excuse me, and the team. Right there. Awesome. awesome. The worship, everything was awesome, Gary. See, the thing is what you work, you're learning in life more and more. God doesn't cause things to happen to us. God told us that in this world, and the enemy hates us, in this world we are going to have trials and tribulation. But, you know, be a good cheer for, you know, we're, we're more than overcomers through Christ, you know. But God allows us to go through these things so that we draw close to him. See, he doesn't want us seeking the world for answers. He wants us to seek him for the answers. You know, he's very jealous for our time, and he wants to spend that time with us. But he wants us to really trust him in these days. I, Gary, there's times I really, in the last um, tribulation that I went through, you know all about the COVID, in that time, I had to lay down and really let go of life and allow the Lord to take fully control of my life. Well, hey, what about the sickness that, uh, that brought on that uh, partial paralysis of your lungs? And, and uh, tell them about that. Well, I just it was telling you that uh, by that thing. But we would, I would go through times of where the Lord would, um, let me tell you this, so let's get to the point. Uh, back in 2022, I was seeking the Lord, 2021 New Year's Eve weekend, I was seeking the Lord for what he wants me to do for him and to fulfill my destiny here upon the earth. And as I was seeking the Lord for that time, um, COVID was involved here. And what happened was everybody, you know, was fearing COVID and everything else, and everybody was doing all they could do to protect themselves and everything else. And I was sitting in church on New Year's Eve, I'll never forget it, worshiping the Lord, and really praising the Lord with all my heart. And I remember the Lord, had a, that night when I went home, I got a phone call from a man I never knew. And he said, um, you're, you're Mike. And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I got a word from the Lord from you. I said, well, I receive whatever you have, sir. And he said to me, he said, you're going to go in the darkest hour of your life, in the darkest time of your life, that you're never going to believe that you could even go through this time. But remain steadfast, because two things you got, you have the Word of God, and you have the power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. 
He says, those are two things I could promise you. That could, that's the only things that are going to get you through this life in the next situation of your life. And I kind of took that and I said, well, I don't know what to really make of that and everything else. So everybody was taking care of COVID and everything else. Well, a week went by later. And I started having like a pain like in my right back in my lung area. And I was saying, this doesn't seem good. I, I did everything I could with COVID. I, I washed I kept sterilized like everybody else, and I stayed away from people and everything else. So I was, it, was a, it was a Monday, and um, I was, said, I need to go to the doctors. So I went to the doctors, and I had, he said, let me take a test, a COVID test. And then the COVID test came back positive. And I said, wow, are you sure you did that right? That's my first words. I need somebody else's test. But no, he said, no. So he told me, you know, just stay home and take it easy and everything else. So I went home. I went home, and each day I was monitoring my uh, breathing and everything. And I remember two days later, I said, "Let me test my oxygen level." As I tested my oxygen level, it was 66. And I said, "Oh, let me call the doctor. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I'm having a little struggle in time breathing since I only have the one lung." So I called my doctor and I said, "Listen, Doctor Levins, this is what's going on. Um, I'm having a little time, hard time breathing." And I said that, um, you know, my, I have the, the one lung, like, you know, he said, yeah. He said, no, he said, yeah. and I said, I did my respiration, it's only 66. He said, well, what I want you to do, I want you to call 911 and have the ambulance take you straight to the hospital. So I called 911, they came, my respiration was there. They hooked me up to a um, heart monitor machine. They hooked me up to um, oxygen level right away. As they were putting the oxygen, you could see my level coming back up. So I went to emergency room. They took me in right away. And when I went to emergency room, they said, we're going to perform all these tests. We're going to take chest x-ray and everything else. And they admitted me right away. And uh, they came back at some of the tests with them and said, Mr. Vella, we don't got good news for you. We got some bad news for you. I said, well, what's going on? She said, your right lung is so full of COVID that your respiration, we don't even know how air is getting into your lung. Um, so they, they were telling me ahead of time. So they said, we're going to admit you right now. We're going to see what we can do. They admit me, and they were they were giving you um, oxygen and all this stuff. And I kind of passed out. And when I passed out one day, it's like I was so physically, like I couldn't raise myself off the bed or anything else, even my head. But I remember waking up to this alarm kept going off, alarm kept on going off. And... I, it was a whole team of doctors there. I opened my eyes. I saw them there. And I said, Mr. Pavel, you are not doing good. We have to be honest with you. You're in very critical shape right now. Your lung is so bad with uh, COVID pneumonia, and your left lung is not working at all. Uh, we have to tell you that we don't have no hope for you. Um, we don't even know if we should put you Great. on the ventilator. We don't yeah. think we should put you on a ventilator. We we had no medicine. This is all news to us and everything else that we're going through. So I remember. You know, I, Michael, you you said to me, you heard the Lord saying, yeah. "This battle is not yours, but is the Lord's," and uh, you trusted Him on that, and uh, you. Uh, you knew that uh, it was difficult, and uh, you knew that your wife and family hadn't heard you speak. Right. And uh, tell them about that. Well, as um, 
as I went through this battle with this, and I couldn't speak and everything else, they told me, I was laying on the bed, and I was saying things. They left the room for me. I said, Lord, if any time i got to trust you, Lord, I trust you, Lord, that you're going to work all things out for good, Lord, because you have a purpose for my life. I remember you told me that as a boy. And in my heart, I don't feel it's my time yet, but I feel like I'm dying, Lord. And if I'm dying, my family's out there and everybody's out there, my wife, my kids, they haven't even got to see me and everything else. But, Lord, all I can do is surrender. I surrender all to you now, Lord. And I put my life totally in your hands, God, for you got the perfect plan for me, and I have to trust you, Lord. And as I said that, Gary, I heard the voice of the Lord clear as day to me and you. He said, why are you fighting a battle I didn't call you to fight? The battle don't belong to you. It belongs to me. This is my battle. It's over your life. He said, Satan wants to take your life, and I will not allow him to take your life. And I felt the peace of God come there. And then, um, and then about an hour later, again, I heard the Lord say, the battle is not yours, my son. It is mine. And that's what the yeah. Lord said. What happened was that then they came in and they said, listen, for some reason, we're going we're gonna to incubate you. We're going to put you on a ventilator, and we are going to put you in a coma, a medical coma. And that's what they did. But you heard the words of these doctors that weren't positive at all. Tell them the, about what you were hearing in your coma. Right, when I was in the coma, as a team of doctors would come in, they'd check on you every day. I heard one doctor say, you know what, I don't know why they're prolonging this man's life. There's no hope for him. There's no hope. We don't even have the medicine to help anybody. And he's, the, he's in the worst shape here. I was in intensive care that anybody, they should just let this man die with dignity, his family. That was, they would come in all the time speaking, and, and they, didn't, they don't realize that even though you're in a coma, you, I heard lots of things going on when they were in my room, and I was trying to scream out to them, tell them I'm alive, I'm going to live, I'm going to live, I'm going to live. The Lord is having me live. Yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you told me that you did die, and they, of yeah. course, they had put down there, uh, if he dies, uh, do you, do not resuscitate. And uh, go ahead, tell him more. So, uh, because the enemy wanted me to die, because that was his purpose for me to die, and wanted all the fear to set in, to fear my fear, fear everything else. And um, I remember I, could, I, I felt myself leaving, leaving myself and everything else like I was going, Gary, you know. But then I was saying, Lord, and I call on Lord, Lord, help me, save me, Lord. Lord, I need a miracle. I need your help, Father. And I felt like a shock. It wasn't where they shocked my body, but I just felt like a, a trembling shock. You know, like the power guy, like somebody put their hand on my chest like that, you know. And I remember saying, failing the like life. I kept hearing a word like somebody saying life to me. You will live life, life, life. And that's all I kept on hearing at that point. But as as we tell the people, it was a long period of time because don't forget, I was on a ventilator for four and a half months and I was in a medical coma for four and a half months. My God, they, and of course, they, uh, they, uh, you're, you're blowing people away that have faith. You talked to me uh, about that Christian doctor who stood in agreement. 
with you. Right. Tell them about the power of agreement. The power of agreement is so powerful. When the, when the word of God, for two or more shall touch and agree on it, it shall be done. God works in so much agreement and power. The enemy wants us not to think that anything that God does is going to work. But let me tell you, in this day and age, the only that's going to help us in this day and age is, number one, the church stands up. The church starts agreeing more in power. The church has let God give them more faith to increase their faith. And the other thing God's been showing me in this time, Gary, that we need to take the kingdom by force now because the enemy is trying to take people down and away out of it. You know, because what he's trying to do is put fear. This disease has brought separation people, brought separation of family. It brought fear. People fear that I, I look every day out there that people are still wearing the mask thinking, you know what? When God comes, and he comes in great mighty waves that he's doing right now, the hour of the church, God's favor is on the church. We have to walk as kingdom children, as we're called to walk, because everything Jesus did is did at the cross. We just have to stand up now and take our, our authority and believe what he's done, because we can agree on, I've seen so much agreement in prayer lately. Things are happening for people's lives and we pray and agree upon it. It's amazing the things that are happening, Gary. But we have a God that loves us so much. He cares for us. He says that no weapon formed against his children are going to prosper because God is raising up a standard in this hour of the church. The church will not be defeated. The church is victorious because Jesus went to the cross. Well, you know what? I, I don't know where you got the energy, but God had to be with you. You dropped the 71 pounds, you told me, and I I can't believe. And they move you to a long-term facility, and, and uh, you're dealing with voodoo. Tell them about that. They've said they have, since when they took me out of the coma the, uh, a few days later, they said, we're transferring you to, you're going to go to a long-term care facility because you're going to be here quite a while. And I remember the day going in, the first day they took us, took me by ambulance and everything else. And I remember they, you know, they set you up in the bed and in the room and everything else. I had another patient next to me that was in a coma. But that night, they they carried me out in, in the, the stretcher because they had, so I had to go get an X-ray. I remember as I came back in the room, Gary, I was saying, um, one one person on each side was holding down my hand. Right, and then it was, it was like a blue linen cloth somebody put over my face, and I was trying to blow, you know, what your lips, because I wanted it off my face or anything, because I wasn't strong, my legs weren't working or anything. I had apathy in, in the muscles and everything. But then they took these little sticks and they're tapping your body up and down, and they were chanting, and really chanting, and it wasn't a good chant because you knew, you know, in, in your spirit you feel that that something right here, it's not good, it's not wholesome, it's not right, it's evil. So I was covered myself the blood of Jesus, because I said, no weapon against me shall prosper. Lord, you are my shield, Father. I trust in you, Father. God, Holy Spirit, just cover me right now. And he protected me. And then, you know what? We found out that what was happening was true, because they did an investigation, Gary. People got fired, because there was these Haitian people that were coming in that was, they feared that everybody that had COVID had demons. So they wanted to try to get the demons out, because they didn't want the demons to come on them and give them COVID. They fired oh, my God. That. You know? Well, I, I, I tell you. Crazy, you know, 
the other miracle that God did for me, I didn't get to tell you this, I was on a di- I was a diabetic, and I was on an insulin pump for five years. People didn't know that because you kept it in your pocket and everything else. But after God healed me and raised me up, God also healed me of the diabetes because I don't take insulin or nothing no more. So I got and, of course, the, the fact that you were... Uh, the COVID pneumonia was gone, and uh, yeah. you started gaining weight. Please. And uh, the contact <laughs> comments of one doctor was, "I swear there is a God in heaven, because there is no way he should be living." Go ahead, close us up there. Wait a minute, I got to tell you, this. my doctor was following my. My primary care doctor was following my whole case for the whole time. He was a Jewish doctor. And what he said to me, he says, they were giving you a drug, which they really should they had, had no permission to give you a COVID desivir. It was giving you IV. And they were saying, and he told me, you know what? You beat the odds not because he said, they're finding out now everybody that was given that drug when they're on a ventilator dies. They were giving oh you my that, God. the odds that He said they were suffocating. It was shutting down. The desivir was shutting down the kidneys and everything else. He says, you even beat that. And I remember a nurse in the hospital. Um, my brother was at a party, and these two nurses were there. And they didn't know he's my brother, and they are talking about me. They said, there's this patient. He's, he has one lung. He's so sick. He's in intensive care. And I was taking care of him for three weeks. He has such a, a awe, like, you to feel something around this man, protection, peace, and everything else. And they took me off of him because they didn't want any of the nurses to get close to the patients there because all the patients were dying. And she had said my name there, right? And my brother started crying, stands up and says, that's my brother you're talking about. And she says, really? He said, you don't realize God healed him. And she said, oh, my God. And they were crying. They said, listen, can you have your brother come see us and take a picture? Because in that time that your brother was in the hospital, he was the sickest patient that we had. But he was the only one that lived in that period of that time through our hospital. We lost every patient in intensive care. Well, you know what? You think about the day you walked out that door as a promise answered. You you put the Lord before you, and you said, Lord, I want to walk out of here. Yes. They think I can't, and uh, give me the strength and the ability to walk out of here as a testimony of God's grace. And uh, what happened? And what day did you go out? <laughs> it was Memorial Weekend. I'll never forget that. I How about that? You see that now? Yeah. This I, program I, I, was planned for you to talk yeah. at this time. Because, Gary... I remember they were telling me that I was going to be here for quite a long time. And there's so many stuff was, was happening there. They really, the care was a good idea. But the, one nurse came in and said, look, look around you, you know, with that accent. You door, look at all the people. There's over 150 people here on, on ventilators, on trachs and everything else. You come here to die, she's telling me. No one really leaves here. That's what she was telling me. No one leaves here unless you go out on a stretcher. 
And I said that, I remember when she said that, I had a righteous anger me, no, Lord, I'm going to walk out of here, and you're going to short my days, Father, because you said I could ask. You said I could ask you, Father God, you promised me that I could ask and believe, because your word abides in me, Lord, and I abide in you, Father God, and I serve a mighty God, a mighty God, Father, and I know, Lord, that you can give me new lungs, I know you can give me new legs, I know you can strengthen me, Lord, and I'm going to trust you, Lord, because I want to be out of here, I want to be with my family. Well, let me tell you something. They watch me. I pushed through, Gary. I accelerated. I, they give me therapy, everything else. And they couldn't believe each day how much stronger and stronger I was getting, that they were in a maze. They, they started giving me a nickname, the Miracle Man, the Miracle Man. They kept the coin. Every time they see me going out on a, on, on a walker wheelchair, I would stand up. I would get out of that wheelchair. I'd fight through. i said, no, Lord, you're going to stretch my legs today. And I just started walking. Right, hold Well, on. I tell you, yeah. God... God heard your prayer, and he answered it to the surprise and shock of the medical community, and uh, they, you gave a hope to all those that remained. And, I and uh, whether they were moved out of that long-term facility or what. But you gave them encouragement and faith to believe in Almighty God who answers all prayers. And I thank you. And I have to uh, do uh, a, a little thing here regarding um, people who don't know the Lord. You know, Michael, maybe tonight they just happened to listen in to a program by chance, and I've heard that happen more than once, many times. But God allows somebody to be encouraged when they have no, no hope. And he wants them to know that God answers every prayer. And some, it may be not now. And uh, so I'd like to read from John three sixteen through 17 and 18 that uh, in the King James uh, Bible, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you notice that? He's talking to the world at large. And you, it isn't about color or ethnic culture or anything else like that. He's saying, you in the world, if you give, you know, just believe in my only begotten son, and you won't perish but have everlasting life. How is that? I thought I had to earn it. Well, no, you don't. And in fact, it's God's free gift to those who believe. Yes. You're kidding. No. He says in verse 17, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I never knew that. I never knew that verse. And he that believeth on him is not condemned. 
In other words, the slate is wiped clean, and you have a new chance for a new life just by inviting the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior. Can you do that? Oh, you can. Well, good. Well, let's do that then. Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus Christ as a son of the living God, that he died for my sins, and that conquering death, on the third day, he went to heaven. But, Lord, I ask him to come into my heart of my own free will. And I will live for him, and he can live inside of me and guide me all the steps of the way so that I may fulfill my destiny just as uh, Michael did his. And, Lord, there is a call on each of our lives. I know I have mine, and I don't know what it is. Reveal it to me, and I will serve you and ask you to wash my sins away and remember it no more, <clears throat> as I've said. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ for the rest of my life and for eternal life. Amen. Well, if you said that for the first time, God bless you. We all have had to go through that at some time or another, and I want you to know that we're going to take communion, and uh, the communion in 1 Corinthians 11, <coughs> excuse me, 23 through 26, the King James Version says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he breaked it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Take your crackers, let us do this together. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. <sighs> All of one opinion, and that is taking communion regardless of the church that we go to, regardless of our culture or color. We take it as one. So take it now with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And I remember, I remember that Jesus took 39 stripes on his back before he went to the cross to give his blood for our salvation. Yes, Lord. And our sins to be covered 
with his blood and remembered no more. And I say that there were 39 diseases known to man at that time. In Isaiah, it says, by his stripes, I am healed. I've been taking it every day at the start of my day for seven and a half years. And it was the greatest understanding because nobody had to push me. I did it myself. Amen. Okay. And then the communion goes on. In the same manner, also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is a New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in reverence and remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink, and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. And ladies and gentlemen, he's coming sooner than you think. Yes, he is. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. My sins are washed away, and I am clean. They are remembered no more, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Unto God. Amen and amen. And, uh, uh, Michael, yes. tell us how we can get a hold of you or do you have a website? Let us know my who you are and how we can get a hold of you. My email is abbafather7 at al.com. So it's A-B-B-A, Father, F-A-T-H-E-R, the number 7 at AOL.com. But Gary, i got to be obedient. I just had a vision. And the vision I had is a man, 64 years old. He's wearing glasses right now. He's listening. And he's having a problem with his left ventricle of his heart. And he wants me to tell you right now, the Lord just touched him. It's going to heal his left ventricle. Okay. Go ahead. Wow. So this man right now, I see your hand on your left side of your heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now for divine intervention, divine healing. I speak right now. By stripe to Jesus, you have been made whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Any other words? Bring them forth. That's right. Let him give honor, Father, to you. Praise God. Amen. Brother, take your time. If God has anything else you'd like to share, we'll wait. There's a woman right now where I'm seeing right now. She has brunette hair, and right now she's been facing a type of um, leukemia. And Lord said he's going to heal the bone marrow of, of your spine, and that's by your blood is going to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anything else, Michael? No, that's what I got right now, Gary. I hear a pastor listening, and the Lord has just touched his heart, Gary, and he was losing hope and faith, 
in the, in the Lord because he has not seen and there's been a separation between him and God that's come but God has just lifted the veil and bringing him into the the honors of a holy of a holy, and God's going to give him more insight into the things of God. Amen. Well, while, while I'm talking, if you have anything else more to just let me know, but uh, this, <clears throat> this is uh, Just In Time Ministries, and uh, you who have need of prayer, just in time ministries 15 gmail.com that's 15 gmail.com thank you and our website done by my daughter is uh, just a beautiful thing and it tells stories about the power of god and his nine gifts for you Yes, and you can have more than one. But it's God's plan as to Michael's call that he will reveal it to you and maybe this is the time for you to check it out. So, JustInTimeMinistry.com and I got healed in the pulpit in New Rochelle. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> So I mean that was uh, that was a really uh, doctor confirmed mm -hmm. uh, feeling in in the pulpit, and uh, that uh, that was awesome. And uh, I just want you to know that Michael and I uh, serve the same God, and uh, there's only one now, and and. Uh, we pray for Chris and Jim McDonough uh, that were part of the uh, ministry that we were a part of. In fact, we were both uh, appointed uh, as assistant pastors, and uh, it's just wonderful that I've had the time to work by his side. That's Michael's side all these years and then to still have that relationship and uh, I tell you uh, we're not slowing down we're doing more and we will have the victory right Michael? That's right we will have the victory and God will Amen alright there Brother Shannon we turn it over to you Brother Michael, what a powerful testimony you have, my brother. I mean, it is, praise God, amazing. And um, yes. if someone would like to contact you, is there a way they can do that? If they can contact me through my email, Abba, A-B-B-A, -B -B -A, Father, F-A-T-H-E-R, the number 7 at AOL.com. Okay, Abba Father, the number 7 at AOL.com? Correct. Okay. And, Brother Gary, what shall we title today's episode for the archive? God's Healing Hand. Brother Gary, also, how can people reach you in your ministry? Well, we told them already, and uh, uh, we just know that uh, we've used up our time, and uh, we just want those that are listening 
to tell someone else about uh, the program you just listened to and the Omega Man Radio um, uh, just to bring forth hope and faith and uh, direction and guidance. You will find it all here because we are men of God that tell the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Uh, Brother Michael, let me ask you a question before we close. My family and I are in transition. We've been on the island of Bali here in Indonesia for seven years, and we've been looking for a place to rent because our lease is up and we're not having any success. And I'm not totally convinced that we're even to stay here on this island. Does the Lord have a word for me and my family about our next move? Well, as you were saying that, i seen, you know, you ever see it in the old days how they used to make tents and there was four pegs into the tent? Yes, sir. The old army tents? Tent pegs. Well, i see seen yeah, ten pegs. I seen you. Lift, I seen you and your wife pulled up two pen, ten, ten pegs each and folded up the tent. So I really believe that God's going to make a way that geographically He's going to have a new place and a purpose and a vision for you. I received that, my friend. We're willing to do whatever the Lord wants us to do. Um, and He will provide all the finances and everything else that you need to do it. I received that. Praise the Lord for that, brother yeah. Gary. You got to get brother Michael back on. I know he's got more to share. And um, whatever God would have us to do. Uh, what a honor to be here with you gentlemen today. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Brother. And Michael, thank you. Thank you. Thank love you. you. Brother, love you. Love you, wife. For being all the things that God wanted you to be, plus more. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> Brother Michael, I hope that you will come out with a book because I'm ready to buy a copy. I know you got more to tell. <laughs> Right, a lot, trust me. Okay. Thank you very much. See you next time, Brother Michael. Thank you. And Brother Gary, that was a home run for Jesus. What an amazing testimony, man. Wow. Oh. I want you to know the enemy was so upset with Michael that he broke two steel beds that he was in in the hospital and one he, because of the help, uh, he waited eight hours in a broken bed for him to be transferred to another bed. Steel beds, and they don't know how it happened. That's amazing. Wow. Folks, if you're just coming in, you need to hear this whole testimony. And we'll put up in the archives today. Uh, Brother Gary, we love and appreciate you, and uh, you're moving to a new time. Tell us about that. Yes, it'll be Thursday at 11 a.m., and uh, every Thursday, and we'll have guests most weeks, but next week, because uh, of a cancellation, medical reasons, uh, the person wasn't able to do the program, and... Uh, I am going to take over for that. So you see me next week at 11 a.m. My friend, we love and appreciate you. Fantastic job and uh, exciting to be here because I know the Lord was here and he spoke to several people out there um, a word that they needed right now. 
You did a great job. We'll see you next time, my friend. Love you. All right there, Brian, brother. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Folks, what a day it's been. Well, it's 9.08 p.m. Eastern, 9.08 a.m., 12 hours ahead here in Bali. And um, I start my day here on the program now at 8 a.m. Eastern. So we were doing broadcast all day today, uh, 8, and I went to bed. I looked at the clock. It was a, uh, just shortly after 5, 5 p.m. your time. And then I had to get up um, at 7 to prepare to be on here at 8, so I had about two hours of sleep. But I'm so excited to be here and be able to witness that testimony and the word of the Lord to some of you tuning in out there and myself. Praise God for it. Now I'm going to go take um, some some rest and go to bed. And then tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., Friday, we've got a full marathon for you. We're going to have Elvis Newhart, Betsy Pelletieri, Dr. Jonathan Hansen, Joseph Ferrara, Brian Melvin, and there's much, much more. Tom Mack. Full marathon tomorrow. Uh, so get ready for it. I also owe you uh, two days' worth of uh, episodes to the archive. I'll do that when I wake up later today. And uh, I hope you're enjoying these programs. That will be our last official evening program that we do. Uh, starting Monday, we're on our new schedule full-time. Monday through Friday, 8 p.m. to 2 p.m. most days. But we did open lines today. Saw some powerful deliverance. Praise Jesus. Demons on the ropes. And then uh, we went as much time as we needed to. And that's my commitment. We'll do whatever it takes to do these broadcasts. So pray for us. Share the program with a friend. And if you want to contact me or find out more about what we're doing, go to OmegaManRadio.com. Also pray for my brother Damon Davis and his company, Legacy Group. They um, have sponsored us to do our Thursday program. We're still doing it. So earlier today at 1 p.m. Eastern, we were on the Word Network. I need to tape some new episodes uh, this week, over the weekend. And uh, that is um, starting to yield some fruit. I'm getting calls now. People that saw the program and are tuning in. And so we know that the Word is getting out there. And that really encourages me. And uh, I want to thank all of you for your prayers. If you like to support the program, you can do it right there at the website. Thank you to those that have and uh, whatever you can do to help us get the word out we're much appreciative and god bless you in jesus name see y'all next time folks thank you